Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Josh Norris. Howdy. We're here to talk about the Rays system today. Now, Bill Ballou, a longtime uh, contributor here to Baseball America, handled the Rays system for us and the Prospect Handbook. Josh and I both got to see quite a few of these guys in Durham this year. It's really interesting. The Rays have had four straight losing seasons. That, of course, follows their stretch, uh, the best stretch in franchise history. They made the playoffs four times in six years, including a World Series appearance. You know, a lot of people remember the 08 Rays, even the 2010, 2011 Rays. They made it to the ALDS in 2013, so there has been an even more recent history of success, but four straight losing years. They just traded franchise icon Evan Longoria. It's it. They're in an interesting spot. There's some promise here in the system. A lot of it was in AAA this year, so you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Joss, when you just look at the Rays, you know, big picture, beyond just the system, but where they are, major leagues in confluence with that system, how do you see them stacking up? I, I don't see... A path to immediate contention for them in the American League East right now because I mean the Yankees are on the rise the Red Sox always have the financial might to be on the rise and they've got a young core that should rebound and you know Chris Archer um, is probably going to get traded or at least his name is out there uh, on the market Alex Cobb is a free agent um, so they're they're in the middle of rebuild they're not gonna they're not gonna be awful I don't think but they're not going to. I don't think they're going to contend for the wild card or the, the, uh, the title in that division. But they're the team that always surprises. They they always find a way to do it somehow. They were eighty and eighty two last year, so obviously below five hundred mark. It's not like the year before though, where they were a sixty eight win team. You see some progress. It's going to take some time for these kids to get ready. Uh, look, is there? A scenario where you could see them, you know, sneaking ahead of the Orioles and Blue Jays and working up to third place in the AL East as they were last year again, potentially. But it's let's not kid ourselves. Losing Evan Longoria hurts. Um, losing the pitchers, you know, Alex Cobb being gone hurts as well. We'll see what happens with Chris Archer, Jake Odorizzi. There is some talent there, though. This is not a team that you know had to tear it all down by any means. You still look around and and you see Kevin Kiermeyer's coming back. Corey Dickerson, who was an all-star last year, is coming back. Uh, we mentioned as of right now, you still do have Archer. You still do have Oda Rizzi. Blake Snell, it looked like he might have finally turned a quarter. Jake Faria came up last year and did a nice job as a call-up. So there are some pieces there. It's not empty. Uh, but I think the Rays are, are going to need some reinforcements and will see some reinforcements from some guys this year. I, I want to start with the AAA trio, three of their top four prospects, Brett Honeywell, Willie Adamas, Jake Bowers. That's their numbers, one, two, and four prospects. Uh, how quickly do you guys think, look, we, we know that these guys will be in the majors this year. How quickly do you feel like it will be before they're making an impact at the major league level? Because those are two different things, getting there and being impactful there. I think Honeywell is going to be the first one to make an impact because I think he's the most impactful type of player on those guys right now. I mean, if you get to watch him, which we got to watch him many a time, his stuff is explosive. I mean, he's got at times four maybe five pitches that can flash a plus or sit at plus. And he also has the uh, the cojones to go with it. He will go right at you, and he will tell you he's going to go right at you, and you can't do nothing to stop it. Uh, he needs to iron his command a little bit at this point, but... You know, the, the stuff is there for him to be a dominant starting pitcher. You know, we talk about all these other great pitching prospects in baseball uh, who are consistently, along with Honeywell, considered to be the upper echelon. 
Uh, you look at Mitch Keller, you look at Forrest Whitley, you look at Walker Bueller. To me, Honeywell's the one that's the most polished of the entire group. He's the guy who has the most pitches he can throw for strikes. He's the one who, again, has shown, hey, I can hold up over 150-plus innings against the best level of competition the Miners has to offer. Uh, you're right. You know, I think uh, some people have said, oh, is he too arrogant? Not, you know, I think he's got that perfect level of confidence. He's going to come right at you. He's good and he knows it, but not to the point where it's detrimental. I, I think this is a guy that if you look at the, the top five pitching prospects in baseball, even if he might not rank ahead of some of the other guys just based on pure stuff. Yeah, didn't mention Otani. Uh, well, sorry, uh, taking Shohei Otani out of it. Talking about that group of, you know, Mitch Keller, Forrest Whitley, Walker Bueller, Brent Honeywell, that, that group. Alex Reyes. Alex Reyes. We'll see what he looks like post-injury. Uh, Honeywell is the one who mit, you know mixes the most uh, polish, throw, strike-throwing ability, durability, you know, quality of pitching pitches in his arsenal o- overall. I think this is absolutely that level of pitcher, and he should get his chance to show it. I, I think, frankly, you know, he could have a rookie of the year type campaign. We've seen Rays pitchers in the past have a couple of rookie of the year seasons. Jeremy Hellickson of years past. Uh, I would not be surprised if Brent Honeywell is firmly in the conversation. Some that's going to be whether the Rays call him up or not. We know they tend to uh, slow cook them. Very, very, very patient with their pitchers. Yeah, that's that's. A, I mean, you, you mentioned rookie of the year possibilities. Um, that depends, like you said, on when he comes up. I, mean, I would be stunned if we don't see him back here to start the year in Durham for a little bit, even if it's just to, to monkey with service time for a little bit. I think we should see all three of those guys, Adamus, Bowers, and uh, Honeywell, we are just talking about, to uh, start the year here in Durham. So that'll be fun for a couple weeks, especially considering they start the schedule with Gwinnett and Charlotte, so that should be Acuna and Kopech. And those guys all in this, like a two-week span. It'll be interesting for sure. So we agree that Honeywell's the guy that, you know, if you're a Rays fan, you're looking for, hey, which of our prospects is going to be a Rookie of the Year contender? Honeywell's the guy. is the top-ranked prospect, but it's not just raw ability. It's polish. It's, it's all the things you want to see a guy have to be successful at the major league level. Willie Adamas was their number one prospect last year. This year, him and Honeywell flopped. Now he's number two. He's still considered one of the top 25 prospects in baseball. I will say, I thought Willie Adamas had the most hard-hit balls I saw caught last year than anyone else, so I'm not as concerned about, you know, people see a slash line that wasn't as explosive as they they might have wanted to see, Uh, but he made some adjustments, he was hitting the ball hard. I think the thing with him, just the end of last year... uh, And then you're looking at the slash line right now, it's... It's still 277, 360, 415 as a 21-year-old AAA. It was really good, it just... You know, some people see the top prospect and they want, well, why isn't it, you know, 3 310 with a 450 slug? Again, this guy has all the potential in the world. Um, I think the one thing that would that concerned me at the end of last year, um, the body language was really bad. There was a lot of just lack of effort. It was it was noticeable and it was it hurt his team. But he was also 21. He had played 130 games out of, you know, possible 140. It's very possible it was just fatigue. I think that, to me, is going to be what's most interesting to see about Willie Adamas this year is less on the physical side. But, hey, that last month of the season where the body language was every red flag in the book, if that's gone away. Yeah, no, there's another scout brought that up to me and kind of cooked him even harder than you just did about that body language, you know, slashed him for being a bad teammate, this, that, and the other thing. But you know what? I get it. He's 21 in AAA, and those guys are usually studs. I mean, I, that's really all I, I am looking at right now is 21 in AAA and didn't fall flat on his face. And even if he did, 
He's you know four or five years younger than that. He's facing dudes with plenty of major league experience. Almost six years below league average age. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't worry about him. You know, in terms of his skill set, what I think was most impressive was this guy's a very, very good shortstop. Nothing crazy. It wasn't you know anything Ozzy Smith esque or, or you know some of the true highlight real shortstops of today, but. Moved to his left well, to his right well. Saw him botch a couple balls, hit right at him throughout the course of the year, but that's something you can you can work on. In terms of the arm, the footwork, the range, it's all there to be, you know, we got consistent plus shortstop grades on him. In terms of his overall power, I think that's come up a lot of times. To me, a guy with 30 doubles, 5 triples, 10 homers, I mean, 40 extra base hits. We know that the big league ball is flying out a lot more than the minor league ball. Some of those doubles are going to turn into home runs. I'm not that concerned about him in terms of ever having a lack of power. I think he'll have enough. Now, is he going to hit 30 bombs? No. And I'd but, be curious to see how many bombs are taken away by the giant wall in left field. So, again, is but is this a guy who you can see at the major leagues hitting 270, 280 with 18 homers and uh, 30 doubles and, and really being able to you know have a, an impact bat while playing an excellent shortstop for you? The answer is yes. You know, I, I'm interested in whether he does play shortstop because they did play him a fair amount at second base, if I remember correctly. Uh, only 11 games. It was 100, so 117. I saw 10 of them. So. <laughs> it's funny because I only saw him play short. So, uh, yeah, 117 at short, 11 at second, 2 at DH. No, I, I think there's no question he's a shortstop. And uh, we know that the Rays have uh, had trouble filling uh, that shortstop role. That's part of the reason they acquired Matt Duffy. Uh, in the Matt Moore trade to try and have him be play shortstop, and obviously that didn't work. They acquired a Danny Echevarria this year, so uh, I think well, a Danny Echevarria. I mean, it was, it was a great shortstop. Yeah, I'm saying that they, they keep having to make these moves to acquire acquire fixes, and I think really Dominic's going to be your shortstop. Well, that, well, that's the thing is, is he going to hit enough to justify? Because if Willie Adamas is uh, who can be a much, 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 much better hitter. And, well, look, even if he's not a Danny Echevarria at shortstop, if he's an enormous offensive upgrade and he's, you know, a, a, still a plus defender, you make that move every day. No question about it. Um, yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. <laughs> now, here's the real question, though. What You mentioned Adamas. What's your ETA for him that you would expect for Rays fans? Is it early this year? Is it more middle? What do you think I mean, is most likely? I'd like to go out on a limb and say something, but it's going to depend on his performance. He's still tw- will be 22. He's not still 21. He didn't stop aging. Um, it's going to depend on how he performs this year. When when they want to see him, if they're, there's no reason to rush him, if they don't think he if they can contend this year, maybe he stays here till the All Star break. Maybe he stays here past that. But it's going to depend on how well he starts. And I think he'll be up in May. I really do. I think he'll be playing shortstop for them in May. Right. That's uh, that. That'd be my guess. Health permitting, of course. Yes. And uh, we'll, we'll see if the, if the maturity ticks up a little bit. But you know, his his. It's interesting because he's one of the better guys I've ever had the pleasure to talk to in the minor leagues. And we don't want to conflate interviewability with makeup. But you know, he was. He's a guy who who learned English and is almost fluent in it at this point. Um, he's you know super high energy guy in the clubhouse. Usually, I got him early. I guess. Before he wore down, uh, he and Jake Bowers were like the the best friends anybody could ever have. Apparently, that that whole Will Ferrell line. Um, that he was he was a fun guy to watch. You know, he was always signing signing autographs for everybody, giving people broken bats, things like that. Um, I, I thought that was a little. It was, Mitch Lukovics would go on about his high character. And that and again, that's where it's important. I think the issues we saw it was strictly end of the season. It wasn't season long where you saw a guy for six months. You know. 
pouting and showing a horrible body language. It was just the final month where, again, maybe it's fatigue, something came up. You don't know. Just hopefully it gets better. And the last of the trio is Jake Bowers. Now, Bowers is interesting in the sense, you know, they messed with playing him in the outfield. You know, he's suitable at first base. There's plays he doesn't make that he should, but he'll also make some nice ones for you. You know, I saw him in left field. He could do it. It wasn't pretty, but he could do it. Right field could not play it. For whatever reason, just did not see the ball well, did not see the reads or the angles well. Right field was a disaster. They traded Casey Gillespie, said first base is all yours, and look, Bowers is the better player. There's no two ways about it. You only had to watch the team for two weeks to see that. Um, but overall, I mean, Jake Bowers is interesting. He's not a, an enormous power guy, but you still see a 21-year-old, 31 doubles, 13 homers, and, and right field in Durham is not short. It, you know, you have to real, it's a legitimate home run if you hit it out there. What was your overall assessment of Jake Bowers watching him throughout this year? I mean, he was, he didn't, he didn't blow you away either way. He was, I want to say, what well, spiced vanilla, if it's <laughs> anything, um, you know, you saw sometimes the flashes of power. You saw sometimes, you know, the athleticism that would lead you to believe he would play in the outfield too. Um, he's he's good. if he's if you're gonna play first base in the major leagues, you're gonna have to hit for a lot more power than he does. And in the corner outfield, that's true too. You're gonna have to hit a lot more power to profile at either of those positions. And I think that's something that be very interesting to see how well he, he translates this year. Again, 21 year old AAA. He's probably not in his man's body yet. He's probably not done developing physically and adding power. And I think with him as well, you see a guy who manages the strike zone really, really well, manages the bat really well. Scouts throughout the year raved about his swing. It's a beautiful swing. You know, one even told me, you know, if you ever have a kid to want to teach him a swing, to get him to swing like Jake Bowers, he's on time. All the all the components you want to see, it's just again, you know, learn to elevate a little bit. I think again, you know, a stat line that say 263, 368, 412 in AAA, you don't fall in love with it. But again, take into account 21 years old, uh, had a little bit of a slow start, so the numbers are actually better than that if you throw out that first month. And the other thing, too, with him that really impressed me the most, you know, we talked about his outfield play a little bit. He's a lot more athletic than he's given credit for. He went 20 for 23 in stolen bases. Dude can legitimately run. I mean, I was really impressed. I saw him take third on a couple plays from second that – 99.9% of first basemen don't do. Um, so this is a guy that I, I think it's a lot of doubles, high on base, can even steal some bags for you. The, the way I break these three down is, you know, Brent Honeywell can be your standout, you know, front of the rotation type guy. Mm-hmm. Willie Adams can be your, you know, really, really good everyday shortstop, you know, make an all-star game or two. Probably not a perennial guy, but, you know, has a chance to make a couple. And Jake Bowers is kind of your, your solid first baseman. You know, he's not going to win you a home run, t- home run title. He's not going to be your your cleanup hitter. But could he be a guy who, you know, hits in your six hole, gets on base, drives in some runs, doubles, and, and, and you know, a, a respectable amount of home runs? Absolutely. I think all three of these guys are everyday major leaguers. It's just the levels. You know, Honeywell's the superstar. Adamas is the really, really good one. And Bowers is the, you know, hey, he's solid. He's solid. We like him. You know, you can absolutely win with him there. Okay. I think that's that's fair. The other guy that, that's at the top of this list, and, and when you see our organization talent rankings, they'll come out. I think everyone talks about, you know, the big four, are the, are the Braves, Yankees, Padres, White Sox, and rightfully so, the big four farm systems. But as you get into that next tier, uh, the Rays really do have, you know, an argument to be, you know, the best of the next group. 
in part of because of the measure of both the advanced talent as well as you know some of the lower level talent. One of whom is Brendan McKay, who you know you say advanced college guy, well, still short season, still have to figure out his role a little bit. But he's the two way guy, and doesn't get all the press. Yeah, you know, Baseball America's College Player of the Year. I think you look at that top four and you say, hey, we, you know, you can see four really good everyday big leaguers who will probably be there sooner rather than later, especially with where the Rays are and what they lack. Uh, especially again, you know, going back to what they've traded the last couple of years. I think it's a good place for them to be, you know, farm system-wise. Although you say, you know, could be there sooner than later. That's those three guys. But, like, if Brendan McKay is going to keep developing as a two-way, it'll, it'll take, take a long time. <laughs> and that's going to be interesting to me. I, you know, to me, you know, it's a left-handed pitcher is so much more of a rare commodity than, you know, a high on base, you know, good but not explosive power first baseman. To me, that's where, if I'm the Rays, eventually I would bet he ends up. Because, again, if you can say, look a few years down the road and say, hey, potentially have a Honeywell, McKay, Snell, Faria, top four, it's a pretty darn good rotation. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting rotation. It's young, it's controllable, it's everything the Rays like. Um, and that's we'll see what their system looks like if they do manage to trade uh, Chris Archer, because I'm sure they can get a King's Ransom for him. Um, but McKay, you know, I... I interested to see what he looks like this year because he was obviously pretty uh, worn down. Worn he down had a very big workload after Louisville this year. I thought I thought the stock was down on him uh, in the draft simply because not the stock was down really that people noticed he was tired at the end of a long college season, you know, hitting and pitching. So maybe they weren't seeing the true guy all the time in the postseason. You know, signed went to Hudson Valley. You know, it's two thirty two, three forty nine, three seventy six. Again, fatigue's a, a, a thing there to watch. But when you dig in on the mound, it was impressive. Uh, made you know six starts, ten hits allowed in twenty innings, twenty one strikeouts to five walks. And again, this was again short season competition, which you know, I mean, it's it roughly league. roughly equivalent to what he was facing uh, in the SEC or the ACC, I should say. But again, this is a guy that, as good as the rest of these prospects are. Um, there's definitely been some belief that McKay could eventually be the number one guy in this system. And there's some who thought that even with that amount of talent, he was the number one guy in this system. Obviously, he's not ranked that way, and, and I think that's the correct ranking, not having him number one yet. But there's no question this is a guy who could be a number one in the system type of guy. And, and not, not one of those guys where it's like, oh, man, he's number one in our system. We have a bad system, that means. No, it's a legitimate number one in a system type of player. Yeah, I, I agree. So, you know, we've talked about those top four that are, are fairly well-known that, for the most part, I, I think, you know, everyone is going to have them as, as top 100-type caliber prospects. There's a guy down lower in Jesus Sanchez who— right. Number five prospect. Number five prospect who, I got to say, the more and more people you talk to, the more excited you are to hear about this guy. And, and again, a guy you can almost say, hey, if this guy turns out to be the best of the five, four guys ahead of him— you can't say it's a huge shock. His talent level is that prodigious. The other guys are further along and more polished. But if Jesus Sanchez ends up having the best career of all of them, no one would be shocked. Right. I mean, Ben Badler, to his credit, um, he's one of the best in the game at uh, evaluation and knows these guys. Um, he loves him, so we love him. <laughs> he's, uh, ben rarely misses on these guys. And he showed the, the type of tools that, you know, that warranted a spot as a number five prospect in this kind of system. So yeah, if he if he you know, has another year like that, don't be surprised to see him blow up and you know, rocket up top 100 rankings and internal prospect rankings and 
mid-season ranking, any kind of ranking you want, he'll be up high on it. Absolutely. You know, I think that's a guy that kind of helps make up for, look, let's just be perfectly frank. The Rays have not done a very good job recently with their first-round picks. They've had a lot of guys who have just been outright misses. Um, You know, some of the guys who are still ranked kind of high on the list because, you know, it happened very recently, but, you know, not a lot of people loved Garrett Whitley. Uh, you know, if you go back and look, um, I'm going to pull it up here in a second, but for the most part, the Rays have had to, look, it's very, very hard for a small organization to continue to be, you know, the type of the type of organization you want to be and a winning organization if you keep missing on your draft picks. And the Rays, in a lot of the last couple of years, have done that. But when you hit on the international guys, it helps. And the trade guys. And the trade guys. You've got eight guys acquired in this top 30 from trades, and they've hit on a lot of them. One of the guys that you know was drafted last year and fell out of the top 10 was Josh Lowe. Now, he had a really, really strong second half. Um, Josh, my view a lot of times... The Midwest League is freezing. Most of the top players are coming from warm weather states, California, Florida, Texas. I'm sort of willing to give a mulligan to 18, 19-year-old high school first rounders, first full season in the Midwest League when they have a poor first half. Yeah, it's just the same way I feel about um, first-timers in the Eastern League, especially if you're playing in Portland or New Hampshire or wherever, where it's going to be, you're going to have snow outs, you're going to have ice outs in that first um, couple months. I remember there was a prospect who came through the Eastern League and he had six hits in April and hit 3.30 the rest of the way once it became uh, less than freezing. So yeah, there. if you're a guy from a warm weather state and you are, you know, you're shocked, you're, you start in St. Petersburg for spring training and wherever, and then you move up to Bowling Green and, and Lansing and all those places where you're struggling to feel your hands, you need to bust out the cold gear for the first 60 days, yeah, your your production might take a tumble. And Josh Lowe was one's guy's 13th overall pick uh, as a Georgia kid. And, and again, I, I think it, sometimes it's a matter of being patient. He did drop out of the top 10. I will say, you know, there are some guys here that you can get excited about the lower levels. Ronaldo Hernandez, a catcher, had a really really strong campaign in the Appy League. Michael Mercado, one of their uh, second or their uh, second round uh, picks this year. Uh, in the draft was was a late riser out of Southern California. Then you had some older guys who really performed, Brandon Lowe, Joe McCarthy. So what's nice about the race system, I feel like, is they have performers up and down. You know, they have the top flight guys. They have middle guys. They have some college guys. They have international guys. They have it's high school guys. System. It's a balanced system. And even if you look at just the positional distribution of them, you see, you know, you see shortstops, you see outfielders, you see catchers, you see right-handers, you see left-handers, you see second basemen. There really is, you see first baseman, there, there really is a nice just balance. And I think, you know, for whatever, you know, the Rays' struggles might have been at, at some of the, their first-round picks, they have hit on some seconds and thirds and fourths, and it's helped them, you know, create this balance system, I mean, combined with the trades, combined with the international signings. To your point, they've got, uh, of their top ten prospects, you've got one right-hander, one left-hander, one second baseman, one first baseman, two shortstops, one center fielder, one right fielder, one left fielder. The only position on our little depth chart here that doesn't have a top 10 prospect is third base. And again, a lot of times third basemen are guys who were shortstops. Yeah. So you can say, hey, take, you know, whether it's Willie Adamas or 
down the road, you know, Lucius Fox. We, we saw Adrian Rondon move over and play uh, third base. He obviously has not panned out. Kevin Pablo is, is a guy who, uh, you know, is, is a very power powerful kid who just, you know, pro ball hasn't come to him as easy yet, but there's still some power, some athleticism that a lot of people like, and I think you could absolutely see him, you know, start to put some things together as he gets older. He would have been a college junior this year, I believe, still young enough kid to do something. One of my favorites on this list, um, who's not in the top 30, uh, was Taylor Guerrero, and that is because he does not stay healthy. I saw him early in this year. It might have been his only start at Durham. Um, he was matched up against Lucas Giolito, and he was the best pitcher that day. He was far and away the best pitcher that day. Fortunately, something in his arm went awry, and he wasn't pitcher that day very long. But while he was there, he was low 90s with some, some really good off-speed stuff. But the fastball, he could cut, he could sink, he could tail it, he could do whatever he wanted with it. And those Charlotte hitters were not having a fun time. And those Charlotte hitters included Johan Moncada at that time. I remember a couple scouts there just saying the cutter, particularly who was throwing, was a major league out pitch. Then and there, no questions asked. And it's just a matter of staying healthy. Um, obviously, we'll see how, how it comes out. There are really interesting, you know, he's one of those group of pitchers. Uh, when you get your prospect handbook, you'll see the back of the Rays list is pretty much pitcher, 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 pitcher. Um, you know, he's in that mix. There are a couple of other guys at Durham this year that really intrigued me. One was Yanni Chirinos. This was a guy who not a lot of people came into the year thinking much of. Had one of the best years of anyone in the International League. You know, showed both velocity and off-speed pitches that were major league caliber. The dis- the delivery is a little funky. He kind of steps towards first base. Uh, and there's not really a ton of belief that he'll be a starter at the major league level. But you saw stuff. You saw durability. And I think there's definitely no question that there's a major league arm there. Well, Chirinos was funny. Like, I went to see him one day. I was actually trying to see Chiwehu and Diego Castillo, I think, or maybe Ryan Stanek. I was trying to see the bullpen. And he pitched a complete game shutout. <laughs> so I was like, well, thank you for that. Um, but it was like a complete game shutout on like 90 pitches. He, he crushed. Um, you, know, he, he, you know, he doesn't have the knockout stuff, no. But what he does have is that those cojones I talked about earlier and the deception and the, the, the willingness and ability to pound the strike zone over and over and over again. And he will not give in to you. And he'll get you out. He won't strike you out necessarily, but he will get you out. And that's the name of the game. No, there's no question. I think there's a big league future there. What it is, we'll see. You know, there's a couple guys who made their debuts this year. You mentioned Ryan Stanek, who on his best days was absolutely hellacious. And Durham, Chiwe, who made his debut this year, he's going to relieve moving forward. Andrew Kittredge is another guy. So there are bullpen guys there. You know, we talked about possibly trading Chris Archer. Uh, Alex Colomay is a guy whose name has been floating around for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, remember at the winter meetings, Kevin Cash said that if they do move him, they're not going to look to make any you know signings uh, at the major league level to find replacement relievers. No, they've got they're standing, going in the system. They've got Diego Castillo, who does who, not get the pub. Who I want to talk to you about. That is a big league closer arm. Now, obviously, we'll see how he gets there, how he handles the pressure situations, but you just want to talk about the arm? Yeah. No question. One scout texted me this year and asked me, you know, Ryan Stanek is like five years older than Diego Castillo, has worse command control, and gets way more hype than Diego Castillo. And that's absolutely true. I don't know why. Diego Castillo closed out the national championship for uh, for Durham. He throws, he touches 100 miles an hour. He's got some nasty put-away off-speed pitches. There's a lot I've of times you days. saw him throw, and he you just went, wow. I, he was I, a wow pitcher. I did see a couple days where he 
should have had a Surgeon General's warning. He was so, it's so wild. Like, there is a game where I'm just screaming, take him out. He is up around this, the guy's head, and it's not intentional. It was, I, I cursed him that day. And there, that's where there's a lot of effort in the delivery. You'll see it get wild, but, but most of the days I saw him, and it wasn't just pure fastball velocity. I saw him put some sliders in the back door that were just, you know, are you kidding me type pitches. This is a guy that, uh, you know, where he's ranked on this list, I expect him to have a better major league career than easily half the guys on this list. I will come out and lay it on the table and say that right now. I'm not going to go half, but he'll have a future in a major league bullpen and probably the Rays bullpen. Um, he's uh, he's better than some of the guys on this list. Not to impugn our own list, but he's pretty good. He good. You know, Jose De Leon is sort of a hand, you know, wring your hands kind of guy. I want to, yeah. So, what is your thought on him? He wasn't healthy this year. I mean, it's no two ways about it. He gets a mulligan for this year. We'll we'll see what it looks like this year in Durham. Well, that's sort of the the rub, right? Needs to be healthy this year. His health track record is the is pretty much the big red flag on him. This is a guy who pitched 38 in the third innings this year entirely. Yeah, when I saw coming him, coming out he was 80s. When we saw him, he was a shell of himself. He was 86 to 90, and I saw him back in the days when he was at Rancho Cucamonga. It was 94. It was a ridiculous changeup. He was pounding the strike zone, working quickly. Couldn't touch him. That was only in 2015, two two seasons ago. And the guy I saw come out in Durham this year was nowhere anywhere near that guy. And that game he got pulled with, uh, I believe it was a, a lat strain. Yeah. So. Uh, it is a mulligan. At the same time, you know, we're looking at a guy who is, you know, turned 25 in August. He'll turn 26 this year. And at a certain point, you know, part of being a major league, not just starter, but even a reliever, is the ability to take the ball, go out there, you know, fairly frequently, stay on the mound. And, and I think right now, there is every right to be wary whether or not Jose De Leon can do that. He was a 2013 draft. That's about to be 2018. He's thrown more than. A, 90 innings in a season once. Yeah. It's, it's if you're going to be a major league starter, you need to do more than that. I don't need, need to oversimplify, but like I said, this year is a mulligan, or, or last year was a mulligan for him, and hopefully we see the real guy this year at um, in AAA. Yeah, I'll be interested to see, you know, just again, if he comes out, if he's at AAA, and if he dominates, if the Rays pull him right up, if they want to get him stretched out a little more. I could see a couple. He was in the big leagues this year, too, right? Yes, he was there for, well, one game. Made one game, didn't go well, and again, just a lot of injuries. You know, looking looking at this Rays system, is there a guy that you feel like could really take a big jump next year, whether it's a guy, you know, we saw, or, or a guy who might just be underappreciated as is and might end up being a lot better than anyone realizes? I think Justin Williams doesn't get a whole lot of pub in the system. I think he was I think he was at Durham at the end of the year. Yeah, they brought him up for the playoffs. Right. And that's a guy I would like to see a full uh, a full season of in Durham. He's, he's number eight on this list. He's not going to get quite the ink of Adamus or Honeywell or anything like that, but once those guys get on up to Tampa, he might be your uh, your top prospect at Durham this year. That's a fair fair point. One guy who uh, just made me laugh a little bit, you know, Ryan Yarborough had this amazing year last year. I think he had like three or four bad starts the entire year, and they were all the starts I was at. Yeah, oh, I saw him carve a bunch of times. And I saw, every time I saw him, it didn't go well. I was, I, I needed to stay out of the ballpark the days he was pitching. I will say what really intrigued me, and when the Mariners traded him, you know, their belief was he was a future reliever. And look, he's a lefty. He's a lot of 85 to 87. He'll get up to an 88. But what really was just dastardly, he had a changeup, that right-handed hitters. 
I mean, it was hilarious, some of the swings these guys were putting on it. If you're a lefty with a, with a sinker and a changeup, you know he's six five, six six. Comes, you know, it comes at he, he's not over the top, so it's you not know, totally downhill. But he there could be me, a role there. He reminded me of a guy on his own staff, Michael Roth. I thought they had very similar stuff, and they produced very similar results when I was there. So I, I thought it was kind of interesting to see that, but. Um, Michael Roth was a big leaguer, albeit not a particularly effective one. No. And so I think... And he uh, was former BA uh, uh, college writer Aaron Fitz, one of his uh, personal cheese balls, hashtag personal cheese ball. We'll see. I, again, could Yarborough end up being that where it's you know kind of an up and down lefty? Sure. Maybe he can be more. We'll find out. But, uh, you know, either way, I, I think, again, just to wrap up, you know, you look at this race system and, you know, outside of that that big four that everyone raves about, when you want to see, hey, do they have top flight guys? Yes. Do they have depth? Yes. Do they have, you know, positional variety? Yes. The race system is in pretty good shape. And, you know, I think we'll see that first wave come up this year, maybe next year. And, you know, maybe it'll be enough to get the Rays out from this four straight sub-500 seasons, you know, within the next year or two. I, I can see it happening. I can also see it going sideways. We'll find out sooner rather than later. Yep. All right. Well, for uh, Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Feel free to uh, go ahead and purchase our prospect handbook, baseballamerica.com, to read slash all store. the slash store, all 30 race scouting reports, plus an extra number 31 prospect supplement if, if you buy you, directly from us. And uh, we'll have a lot more throughout the year on the race farm system, I'm sure, as the year moves forward here in Durham. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bye.